surface of many, many testimonies of what had happened at the, um, uh, where were we at? The fair. I can't even keep track of where I am from day to day sometimes. We were at the county, the Portage County Fair, and um, thank you for your participation, your enthusiasm, your reflections, and next Saturday we're going to be at the balloon affair. It's just carrying on the same thing. Uh, standing there amongst our community, showing love, um, interacting, blessing them. Very, very exciting opportunity. And I thank you for, your, again, your participation. Um, jump on board that opportunity. It's going to be great. Last year was certainly great. Um, I'm going to read a passage to you from James chapter 3, starting in verse 13. This is a passage that is easy to miss when you're doing James. It has all this exciting stuff. But this is actually, I've been, I've been reading a bunch of things, and people have been saying this is like the core. Like everything before James filters into this, and everything after filters out of it. And I think they're right about that when I really look at it. But I'll try to be clear in this. Um, verse 13 of James chapter 3 who is wise and understanding among you let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts do not boast about it or deny the truth keep those keep those words fresh in front of you bitter envy and selfish ambition I know those aren't encouraging words, but they're very crucial to what we're talking about. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, if you say you're wise, but you're living by bitter envy and selfish ambition, you're fooling yourself. Verse 15, such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there it is again, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Could you go on to 17? Yeah. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Then in summary, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Did I get the picture of me? Not that I want to show you a picture of me, but this is a very special thing for me, and I had lost it for years, and I found it just recently, so I'll tell you what it is. This is me in Lviv, Ukraine, in October of the year 2000. There was, you can kind of see, all, it, it's the peak of a hill, it's the center of the city, and you can see for miles around the whole city. You can look, it's like 360, you can see. And at the top of this peak, there is the Ukrainian flag and the cross. And at the time, that just completely blew me away. Because as you know, 10 years earlier, the blue and yellow flag of the Ukraine did not fly there. It was the red and hammer and sickle of the Soviet Union. And most certainly, that tells you that there was no cross there. And I was just blown away by this reality. That Soviet flag had represented oppression and the evil empire of communism, built upon atheism, class warfare, 
upon fanning the flames of the very things we just read about, evil envy and selfish ambition between people. And despite all the flaws that still existed in the Ukraine, and they are substantial, believe me, the Ukrainian flag and the cross represent freedom. And now it means even more to me with all the terrible as I envision being in this beautiful, ancient Polish city and thinking about rockets being fired into it. it it's unbearable. But um, it means so much because of what this represents. The overthrow of an evil kingdom, an oppressive kingdom. Well, thankfully, our nation isn't built upon oppression and class warfare. We have great and unprecedented freedoms. God bless America. But the world is still the world. America is still the world. We still exist in a land where envy and evil envy and selfish ambition are some of the key drivers. We live in a kingdom. This is where the flags come in. I started to think about it. We live in a kingdom called the kingdom of Can you see that? What is this? The kingdom of Ur. What's the kingdom of Ur? Well, you know what it is. Right? Better or lesser? Winner, loser. Richer, poorer. Bachelors, masters, doctor. Tougher, weaker. Smarter, dumber. Newer car, older car. Neater, messier. Bigger house, smaller house. Office closer to the boss, office farther from the boss. Bigger church, smaller church. Prettier, not prettier. Cooler, nerdier. Etc., etc., etc. Our world is built on comparisons. Think about your life. Some of them are not such a big deal. Some of them are a huge deal. Some of them impact us only. We can chuckle at it, and we may have affected us some, but some comparisons, some competition between people has been devastating to our lives. Right? Whether we win or lose, we lose. Because either way, it comes out rotten. And so what we want to think about is overthrowing this flag, much like the evil flag that flew in this spot was now replaced by freedom. That's exactly what we want. We're going to throw this flag away. We're going to overthrow it anyway.
Now, why am I talking about comparison and competition in light of James chapter 3? Well, note those two words I told you to focus on. Bitter envy, selfish ambition. What is that? Comparison. Bitter, sour, picross. Envy, bitter envy. In other words, bitterness and envy put together. That's a fun combination, huh? And most envy is bitter. And selfish ambition, wanting to take over and, and I want to win. When I see somebody, I don't think about how I can serve them or how I can love them. I think about how I can win and how I can get ahead of them. Anybody live that way? Anybody been approached that way? And I'm talking about comparing. I'm talking about competing. I'm talking about being compared by others. You ever been compared? And it really, really hurts. Sometimes it hurts if you're compared favorably. It hurts worse when you're compared unfavorably. It hurts worse when you're compared, compared favorably and you relish in it, then later on you go back and, and the Holy Spirit takes a two-by-four and goes, thunk, who do you think you are? And you go, oh boy. <laughs> you been there? It's when we compare ourselves to others and we might put others down in order to make ourselves look better. It's when we manipulate to try to get advantage. It's when we scan the room when we walk into church and aren't thinking about who to love on and who to encourage, but we're thinking about who we are better than or less than. Right? Comparison. There's no win in comparison, as Andy Stanley has said. No win. Because much as it says about love in 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, does not boast, is not proud. In other words, if you compare, you don't love. Because you either end up in bitter envy because you feel lesser, or you end up pride because you feel better than the other person. Neither one's any good, neither is godly, and both are destructive. Anybody struggled in their lives because of a parent or adult authority who told them they weren't good enough? I wish you were more like your brother. I thank God for my parents. that would have never happened in a billion years in my family. And CJ's back there going, you're right, it wouldn't have. I, don't, I have to read about this. I think this is, I, to me, this is like what's in a bad movie. And I thank God for that. Some of you weren't so fortunate. Any peer pressure, comparisons you endured in school, marriages that fail because of comparisons, I've seen it. It starts with, my mom makes much better sauce. You should learn from her. You know the song, Things That You Shouldn't Say to Your Wife? <laughs> um, why don't you fix our cars like my dad? Can't you do anything? So sometimes we think we're not as good as others and we underachieve. Sometimes we think we're better than others and we underachieve. Either way, we lose. 
<clears throat> I realized why this is a tougher than average message for me. I have lived under the kingdom of Ur for a long time. And I was doing it. Comparison has been my, my sport of choice. But boy, some of the churches I've served have been pro-comparers. And wow, in it stink. So let's talk about comparing and why it's not the way to live in verse 13. Are you with me here? Can you see why I'm saying this passage is about comparisons? Because it's about envy or selfish ambition, wanting to get ahead, looking at others, or, or comparing ourselves, comparing our circumstances, comparing what we have versus someone else, comparing what we accomplish or what we're good at compared to someone else, comparing our height. I've been told that I'm short and that means I can't be a good senior pastor. I've to been told that. I can laugh now. I have been told that by someone who was serious. I laughed. I thought they were kidding. They weren't kidding. I just feel sorry for them that they weren't kidding. Now, at the time, I'm like, how do I get out of here? What window do I need to jump out of and never come back? <laughs> Comparing is not the way to live. I want to phrase that. Comparing is no way to live. Okay? So, here we have the kingdom of Ur. And here's what we want to do. We can't leave the kingdom of Ur. Or we can't leave the land of Ur. We live on earth, right? When we, when we leave earth, what is that? We die. We don't control when we die. God wants us here to live on this earth until he's done with us, right? But what we can do is we can overthrow the kingdom of Ur. We cannot live by the rules of the kingdom of Ur. We can live by the rules of the kingdom of God, where the ground is level at the cross and we do not need to compare. And God gave me a dynamite conclusion to this that tells us the greatest reason we shouldn't compare, and I can't wait to share it. Aren't you eager now? So I'm going to wait till next week so you'll come back next week. No, just kidding. <laughs> Comparing is not wise, first of all. Um, let's start verse 13 again. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. In other words, you need to get real. If you live your life by comparing, don't even claim you're wise. Do we think that way normally? That doesn't come natural to us. We don't think about comparing means you're not wise. It has nothing to do with wisdom, right? It has everything to do with wisdom according to the Bible. You believe the Bible? You do read the Bible, right? pretty radical. You lie against the truth if you say you're wise, and yet, yet what you do is you compare yourself, or compare others. Or live with perpetual dissatisfaction because now is not like another time. That's a bad way to live. Look at 2 Corinthians 12.10 on your outline. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some 
who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not what? It's not wise. Plain and simple. If it's not wise, it is therefore unwise or foolish. Think of the biblical record. The fall of Satan. I will exalt myself. I will sit on the throne of God. I will exalt myself above the heavens. I'm going to get the advantage. Think of the fall of humanity. God's trying to hold back on you so you won't. Eve says, or Adam is there with her. Ladies, I'm being fair. They're saying, hey, God's trying to keep us down. We want to get the advantage. Cain and Abel. Comparison? Joseph and his brothers. Favoritism, comparison, competition. Saul and David. As Tim is doing in Sunday school pretty soon, he's going to be talking up in 1 Samuel about Saul and David. Saul was driven by bitter envy and selfish ambition, trying to spear David to the wall. I wish I had this quote from Socrates, which talks about envy actually being the, the root of all murder and all these terrible things, but he makes sense. So comparing is not wise. Anybody here ever you say, what, what's your goal in life? And you stand up and you say, I want to live foolishly. Who wants to live foolishly? Come on. But do you compare yourself to others? Do you compare others to others? Do you compare now to here and this to... That's a choice to live foolishly. According to the Bible, you do believe the Bible, right? Okay, just checking. I was told never to assume anything, so. Comparing, secondly, is not of God. Verse 15, such wisdom, notice the quotation marks, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. Ooh. In other words, if I'm living by comparison, I am worldly. Worldly is a, one of those Christian wor Christianese words. It's biblical, but, and it means it's not a good thing. I'm worldly. I, I live by the world standards, not by God's. And um, comparing is worldly. In fact, look at Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. <laughs> that doesn't sound pretty. I mean, Jesus said it to the Pharisees. He said, how can you, how can you worship God when you're looking for the praise that comes from people? It was a rhetorical question. The answer is what? You can't. If you're trying to please people, if you're trying to compare yourself and look good and, and live by their standards, by their comparisons, you're probably not going to serve Christ in reality. Comparing is not of God. It's earthly. It's not from heaven. It's unspiritual. Um... Have you ever known people who are churches? I'm talking to church people, right? 
you're not a church person normally, you're here now. Somebody who is bitter, angry, self-centered, and vicious in the wrong way, and all these things, <clears throat> and the church thinks they're spiritual giants. <clears throat> Why does this always happen? <clears throat> I'm envious of people with a strong voice. I'm not breaking up here. I'm not crying. I'm just losing my voice. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but we do that, don't we? He'd make a great elder. Even though he sometimes tears the church apart, he'd make a great elder. Because he's now got knowledge. And Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Eric. He works at the city clerk's office. He'd be a great elder. <laughs> uh, All right. God keeps me humble, I'll say that. <clears throat> we need to define spirituality by what God does. And he says we are not spiritual if we are comparing. If we're loaded with envy and ambition, selfish ambition, it's not a spiritual person. Passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says this. You are still wor worldly. Since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Oh, my goodness. Worldliness is having jealousy and quarreling among you. When one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, and another, I follow Christ, are you not mere human beings? When people are dividing up into factions, competing for, comp competing for influence, that's worldly. We think worldly is when someone starts to smoke again. No. No! We've really imported that one in to try to weasel out of this, but it's, it's envy, it's strife, it's competition, it's comparison. Evil envy and selfish ambition are pockets of poison in our lives. They poison us, and when we let them slip out, they poison others. They poison others. Some of you are saying, tell me about it. Some of the comparative words that have been spoken to me have poisoned me. And comparing last is not positive. <clears throat> Verse 16. It's not positive. Where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. It's not a good thing. In fact, envy is one of the qualities that you can find nothing good about it. It's poison. It's poison. So let's talk about how to conquer comparing, shall we? How do we, while living in the land of Ur, overthrow the kingdom of Ur. 
We don't want to live by the rules of the kingdom of Ur, but we still have to live here on Earth, where people compare. We compare. Others compare us, we compare them. Some of it's built right into the fabric of society, much of it is interpersonal. Well, first of all, we conquer comparing with gentleness. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? This is kind of mind-boggling. Okay. Let them show it by their good life, i.e. by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, this word humility, right here, okay, show by their good life. What does he mean? By deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. This word humility is gentleness. It's the word proutes. It's the word that's used in the fruit of the Spirit for gentleness. It's the word Jesus used. He said he was gentle and humble in heart. Gentle, humility, proud taste. It's the word when he said, blessed are the meek, for they inherit the earth. That same word that is here translated humility in the NIV, it's proud taste. In Ephesians chapter 4, you have gentleness and humility right next to each other. This word is used for gentleness. So I don't know why they translated that humility. Somebody call the NIV and complain. But it's about gentleness. A wise person is gentle. It's sort of an unqualified statement here, right? If you're wise, you're gentle. If you're not gentle, you're what? Not wise. And again, this, there's a lot of evidence of how, how important gentleness is. So, um, wow. Paul, of course, said in um, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, there again, same thing. Humility is a different word. It's the tapenas or something like that, but the word proutes is the word for gentleness. By the gentleness of Christ, he says, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you went away. Now, I just gave you a verse a little up, up above where it's from the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 10. And it's where he says, don't be unwise and compare yourselves. And here he's saying the same thing. He's talking about by the gentleness and humility of Christ. Gentleness is connected to not comparing in more places than just James chapter 3. And Paul was being compared to others, and they, what they were saying is, yeah, Paul's timid when face to face, but when he writes to you from far away, he's bold. Today we'd say, oh yeah, they're big and tough on Facebook, but they won't look you in the eye when you see them, right? That, they were saying that about Paul thousands of years ago. And so he's kind of mocking them, saying, this is what you say about me, right? They were comparing Paul and saying he doesn't measure up. And that's what he's talking about. This is not a new issue, obviously. Here's what, here's what um, gentleness does. It turns comparisons upside down. Because all comparison isn't wrong. Right? I mean, we need to make distinctions and understandings. Uh, you, let's say you have two kids. And they're very different. So you compare them. Why? Not so you can pit them against each other or favor one, that's evil. But to say, I want to know how to love both of them well. 
and I need to compare and understand how they're different, okay? But that's gentleness. Gentleness is saying, I've got a strength here that this person doesn't have. I could tear them to shreds and conquer them because of it, or I can serve them and help them become who God wants them to be because I have a strength here that they don't have. I also recognize that they probably have a strength that I need from them because that's what gentleness is, controlling your strength. So we conquer comparing with gentleness. How many of you would have ever in your life, apart from the Bible, you do believe the Bible, would have said, gentle, if you're not gentle, you're not wise. I, I would have never thought of something like that. Except, I said, apart from the Bible, we don't, that's not something that's intuitive. Wise people are smart and know great things and they may... And a lot of times we think the wisest people are the ones who are very much ridicule others because of their ignorance and lack of wisdom. That's not wisdom. If you have seen the movie Oppenheimer, you know the story of his life. Is I didn't see it, I, I, but I've, I've done a lot of study on him before. And the story of his life is of a very smart fool becoming a wiser, very... A very he was a, when he was young, he was a very smart fool. When he was older, he was a wise, smart person. He learned how to... Secondly, we compare, conquer, conquer comparing with godliness. Who's wise and understanding among you? Let him show by their good deeds, done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Well, let's go to verse 17 and 18. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first, boy, you're good, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Godliness. Godliness. Life that comes from God and is lived toward God and for him. In other words, what God says defines my life. So I'm not afraid to say, all right, I get it. Gentleness is necessary for wisdom. That's contrary to what I would have always thought, but what I have always thought really doesn't matter a whole lot, does it? Because God says it very clearly. Therefore, I value gentleness more than smartness. I value gentleness more than someone who's smart and can use it as a smart aleck to pick on people and put them down. Right? Let me tell you, I love sarcastic humor. I've had to learn the hard way to temper, temper down, temper down, temper down, temper down. I love how he says there, you know, don't, don't ins I guess, if, if I'm trying to think of how um, in verse, uh, you know, verse 14, if you have these things, bitter envy and selfish ambition, if you live by comparison and and competing and, and trying to put yourself ahead and you don't even boast about being wise and deny the truth. Don't even mess with me. Don't even try to pretend you've got wisdom from God. How important is gentleness? 
How important is godliness? We want godly wisdom. Godly wisdom says you will have the courage to take God at his word and say gentleness is necessary for wisdom. And all these qualities are true wisdom. That's the last part, conquer comparing with God's wisdom. God's wisdom is from above. It's verses 17 and 18. But go back to chapter 1 of James. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, it's just probably a page over. If any of you lacks wisdom, James 1, 5, you should ask God. So what do we do when we lack wisdom? We ask God. We can't forget that. Wisdom is a gift from God. God's wisdom is a gift from God. It's not something, that's why when he says gentleness is necessary for wisdom, we go, what is it? Well, you need to ask God. You need to recognize that comes from him. In fact, this whole section is going to be on spirituality that comes from God. You know, no one, no one can control the tongue in themselves because you need to ask God. And really, this section we're looking at today is part of the answer to that. If anyone you lacks wisdom, chapter 1, verse 5, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Don't you love that? Gives to all without finding fault. He doesn't say, oh yeah, George, all this time you never came to me to ask for wisdom. Now you finally get here, and you expect me to give you wisdom. Where have you been all these years? Is that how God is? No, that's how we are. <laughs> and so we think God's like that, but he's not. because that's not gentle, right? That's being harsh. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now look at verses 9 through 11. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position in Christ. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Here's the point, he says. Celebrate who you are in Christ. Wisdom. Will you ask God for wisdom? And because these people were being persecuted, the rich were persecuting the poor. He says, you need to stand on who you are in Christ. And if you happen to be one of those people that's picking on others because you can do it because you're richer and you've got some authority, you need to glory in your low position in Christ. He brought you low. He made you recognize your sin. He taught you who you really are in light of that, and that's how you need to live. Glory in Christ whether you need to be brought up or brought down. That's who you are. That is glorious. That's the wisdom of God, and that's why we're here in chapter 3. Instead of bitter envy and selfish ambition, glory in who you are in Christ. Everybody, whether, you fee whether, whether you're coming down or you're coming up, God brings us to a level place. So there's no, her no hierarchy in the body of Christ. If you come from a rich family and you come from a poor family, you have the same level and the, the ground at the cross is level. If you come from a well-educated family or a not-educated family, the ground's level at the cross. And I've seen a lot of comparison and competition in that in the churches I've been in. Well, that's the first thing people notice. You know, if, if they knew what Maple Heights was, they'd say, you talk like you're from Maple Heights. 
Oh yeah, I'm sorry I do, but you're right. <laughs> I know what you mean. I sympathize with you, but you gotta get over that because this is the body of Christ, not the local Kiwanis club. This is not your country club. Ephesians 5. Read the, I'm going to read this and wrap this up, but I mean, with something really that really moves me. But be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Oh, okay, that's what we're talking about, right? A lot of wisdom throwing around today. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Oh, you mean if I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm going to submit to instead of Instead of comparing and instead of bitter envy or selfish ambition, I'm going to, we're going to be submitted? Yes! Paul says, thank you for listening. You got it. But don't you love it? Don't be foolish. Be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because that's how we get God's wisdom. Ooh. That's why we are learning how to hear God's voice on Wednesday nights and why we had a seminar here. Because we need to be attuned to what God says for us to do. We have the word of God for his truth, for, for his word, his revelation, but we need to know how to live it, how to apply it, how it fits. John Piper's definition of wisdom, I love it. He says, wisdom is how to live for Christ when you run out of chapter and verse. In other words, I, I know the truth of God, and I know it to a certain, but how do I live it out in this situation? He gives us wisdom to live it out when we're out of chapter and verse. Yes, I can't quote you a chapter and verse, but I need to know how to live the Bible when it doesn't specifically talk to me about this specific situation. It talks to every situation in general, but how do you make that work when you're walking it out in life? That's why we need to know how to hear God's voice. That's why we need to follow it. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Led by the Spirit of God. We, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are His. And then He leads us so that we can live that out. He gives us assurance that we're God's children. And then He leads us in how to live as God's children. Even if we don't have specific chapter and verse to tell us what town we should move to or things like that. Right? Spirit assures us that we're God's children. This is where it's very powerful. Why should I not compare myself to others? Why should I learn to overcome the comparisons that have been made of me to others? That I don't talk as well as someone else. I don't speak as well as someone else. I don't look as well as someone else. I'm too short to be a pastor. You're too short to be a leader. <laughs> um, what have you been told? You're not smart enough to go to that school. You could never be strong enough to, to, to carry out that occupation. You will fall apart. 
You'll never own a house. I mean, but those are the type of things that happen, right? Look at your brother, how successful he is. What's wrong with you? <laughs> how can we overcome? Well, number one reason. God created you. He created you as you are. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are one of a kind. God doesn't want you to compare yourself to somebody else. He made you as you are. He wants to make you into who you're supposed to be, the perfect you. So we're not to compare ourselves to other people, and then we don't, listen, we don't live by what other people tell us we're supposed to do, and why, don't we, why aren't we like this, and don't you know that all good Americans are like this, and if you're from Ravenna, you've got to do this, because that's what people from Ravenna do. Hogwash! From the Greek, hogwash am I? A deponent verb. <laughs> no, because God made you the way you are. Now take that a step further. He sent his son to die for you, to rescue you, to remake you, to restore you, to make you into the believer and the child of God that you're meant to be. Why compare ourselves to others? God thinks you are incomparable. There's the word for the day. God says you are incomparable. God says you are incomparable. He sees you that way. He doesn't want you to compare yourself. He doesn't want you to think you're better than someone else he made special. He doesn't want you to think you're lesser than someone else. He made you and the person next to you incomparable. And we need to live out our calling from him. We need to live our lives for him. We need to live out the wisdom of God by being filled with the Spirit. We need to live out by our spiritual gifts and our passions. We need to live out as God's children, knowing how much he loves us. It, as it says of those two great things in Romans, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. There it is that God thinks you're incomparable, and he leads you to do what you're supposed to do because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're his workmanship. God thinks you're incomparable. He's working on you. He has a plan for you. Don't let someone else mess it up, and don't you mess it up by saying, I want to be like Jeff. Although I'd like to be like Jeff. Are you hearing me? So, anybody here ever struggle with comparison? Of course you have. We live in the land. We live in the land of her, under the kingdom of her. But what we need to do is take this flag that represents the kingdom. We can't move off the land until God's done with us and He removes us. But what we can do is we can cast away the kingdom of Ur at the foot of the cross and become who God wants us to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your love is beyond what we could ever imagine. Thank you for that. Your love is beyond what we could ever imagine. I don't know why we insist on looking for approval and direction and identity from other places, but we do. But Lord, help, I pray that your word on gentleness and wisdom and uh, comparing and not comparing and 
will make a difference in our lives. I also pray now that those who are hurting because of comparisons will be willing to, um, willing to address that issue. Wherever they came from, some of people have been put down, some have, been, have suffered the comparison with siblings or with other workers or other people, and it's just scarred them. It's made it so difficult. Some are living desperately trying to prove themselves. I pray that we'll have the courage to face those issues. If we've been given word curses, told we're not good enough, told we're not as good as someone else, told we can't do things, I pray right now that this will be one of the times when we face up to those issues and we, we renounce them in Jesus' name. We are not who other people say. We are not what other people say. We are who you say we are. And Father, I pray that you will give us the courage to face our things. that means prayer now, wonderful. If it means later, but don't let us leave here today without knowing the place where comparison, competition has ripped apart a part of our hearts and where we need healing and where we need restoration and even reconciliation between people who may have hurt one another. I pray you will speak to us on these matters today in Jesus' name. Amen.